Hello, this is Alan Toussaint from New Orleans, where music creeps right up through the street. And you're listening to WCBN FM, Ann Arbor, Michigan. When a cold chill begins to burn at your very soul, that's the sweet touch of love. Good afternoon. You're listening to Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel, and today on the program, Amy Hempel. Amy, welcome. Thank <laughs> welcome, you so much. Welcome, welcome to Living Writers. It's, uh, Thank you. It feels like we've been running around the studio after that little intro. Yes. <laughs> it's very energizing. It is. Um, uh, this this uh, this conversation is taped November twenty first two thousand eight, um, while Amy was in town to to do a reading at the university. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we go any further, Amy, I'm just going to read your bio from the back of your collected stories. The collected stories. Um, Amy Hempel has published her acclaimed short stories in magazines such as Harper's, GQ, O, The Oprah Magazine, and Vanity Fair. She teaches in the graduate writing program at Bennington College and lives in New York City. Now we can spend so much time filling in the yes. rest and yes. how it impacts your writing okay. life. And um, because it's funny, I was uh, looking up some facts about you online and, and it listed all these places that you were teaching. And I didn't mm-hmm. know if those were a current or how you would possibly juggle um, not only Brooklyn College, but the new school, Bennington, well, Princeton. Brooklyn College is new, um, running the graduate fiction program there, but only since fall. So leading up to that, uh, I taught some semesters at three places at once. Uh, for example, Bennington, Sarah Lawrence, and Princeton was one semester, and I just scrambled you, all over the did place. Did you just then drive, keep yes. driving? Mm-hmm. I like driving. <laughs> <laughs> so some of the um, so some of those um, predilections or obsessions surface in in your stories. Oh then yes, just, indeed. Mm-hmm. Just naturally mm-hmm. then. Um, well, how um, how often do you get the question that about how close to your your true life is the fiction that you produce? Because that must be is that is that so tiresome, or is it something that you don't mind because the it, facts a, are in there, but not uh, what the r- truth behind them are? Or yeah, whatever. it's a frequent question, mm-hmm. and I understand why it comes up. But what I often do is answer with a question of my own which is, why are you asking me that? Mm-hmm. And, and I don't mean it combatively at all. It's oh, come just, on, come on, let's go. <laughs> okay, <combat>. let's go. <laughs> what else do we have to do? We've got an hour, Amy. Yeah, mix it up. Um, <laughs> Play no, but, some more marimba. <laughs> <laughs> but I ask because I do want to know, mm-hmm. why are you asking? I, I mean, mm-hmm. if I say, oh, yes, it's, it's hugely autobiographical, does that make you like a story more or less? Mm -hmm. Are you disappointed? Um, I'm not sure what's behind the question. Right. Unless it's a kind of voyeurism. Mm -hmm. So I do expect 
the question, and I, I get it often. Mm. And that's and that's often that's why I thought I I'd do. lead with it, yeah, just to get um, it out of the way. <laughs> but but uh, maybe a nicer answer is a lot. Mm-hmm. But yes, I borrow rather heavily from my experience and experiences of people I know. But the cool thing that happens in writing fiction is that you can't stick to the way things happened, even if you try. Right. That you right. just find yourself embellishing, um, changing, altering, w- without even needing to work at it. Right. Which I think, like, it seems, I don't know if that was in your intention when you began writing the, your, the Harvest. Yes. But that seems like a way of maybe mm-hmm. even answering the question or, show, or, or, or showing the steps. Yes, exactly. And... Um, that's what the harvest does. And then I realized when, um, after I wrote the second part of that story, which is, which seems to be the real version, the true version of those events, I, I look back at it and I recognize all the things that, without even meaning to, I changed to make it a little better or a little different. And then I thought, well, it's an infinite exercise. I could write version after version after version. Um, I thought recently, since I wrote it so long ago, I thought recently I could go back and write a version from this vantage point, you know, so many years after, and all the things that are somewhat related to that, uh, the accident, the, the story of the California at that time, and, um, and it, isn't, it could go on forever. Right. And because there's so many things that are acting within it, because mm-hmm. even like when the the um, the speaker is coming down, going to the beach for the first time in right. shorts. And then so then you get these shark facts. And then that's yes. what becomes like the most like the anchor at the very end. Opening right. Outward or something. Right. And, and the events which were entirely true of the prison breakout at San Quentin. OK. And, you know, what happened in the aftermath of that and. uh so and like Jonestown, like there's and obviously Jonestown. Uh, oh my God! I mean, but that's that's that story is is reflective of of San Francisco and and Northern California at a particular time and all that was happening. Um, I mean, it's staggering to think back on mm. all that happened then and there and and the, um, the ramifications of it, the consequences. Um, it was a big time to be there, and it seems like it's it's it seems like it's marked your your writing um, significantly. Is that because mm-hmm. the the bulk of like the first two collections were from coming directly out of the time out west? Because you were born in Chicago, right? Right, and now you're mm-hmm. you're rooted in New York City, so mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. with wheels, <laughs> obviously yes. goes without yes. saying. But California, northern and southern, mm-hmm. uh, for me, everything. Uh, as you said, the first two books come almost entirely out of uh, those places and some of those people, and it's still um, uh, it's just immensely influential. And I just the other night I saw the new film Milk about Supervisor Harvey Milk, uh, who was assassinated with Mayor George Moscone while I lived in San Francisco in the late seventies, and it's it's a really a first-rate film and just brought it all back to me all over again. So um, I'll, why, I still return to it. Why did you leave the West then? What was the... Twofold. One, um, 
I wanted to write, and I thought, here's the kind of misguided thinking. Um, I thought to write, you had to work in publishing. <laughs> so not true. <laughs> and publishing was located, the industry, in New York City. So I thought, oh, I'll go to New York and get a job in publishing, and then I can be a writer. <laughs> you know, huh? Um, so that was the going to mm. part of it. But also... I lived in California in the most beautiful place I'd ever seen, and terrible things kept happening to me. And it was, it was a really odd experience to be in such a gorgeous place and have awful things happening all the time. So, um, and then my best friend died. That was the capper. This is the girl I, I wrote. The story yeah, I wrote my first home. story about, and. Um, I didn't even go to her funeral. As her funeral was going on in um, Southern California, I, I was flying from San Francisco to New York. So that's how, um, how connected it all was. So you didn't drive that time. Not that time. <laughs> but every other time. Just about every since. other time. Or Amtrak was right. very convenient that way. Oh, I wish Amtrak was not seemingly on its last legs. And it is. And isn't it? Yeah. That's too bad. But that is, um, it's so that so so the story that you were referring to, Amy, was um, uh, the in the cemetery where Al Jolson is buried. Yes. And so that's probably <laughs> since we're hitting all the ones that you probably the most talked about things in yes. Amy Hempel's life. This would probably be the next thing mm -hmm. since it's mm -hmm. the most extensively one of the most extensively anthologized stories of the last quarter century. That's. What's that like to have some sort of that as part of your uh, that or and that story especially since it was for Jessica mm -hmm. um, and, and it, it was the first story. The first, oh, it was that I wrote. The yeah, literally or literally the first story no, that was literally a whole story. Or no, the first literally story the first short story I wrote, and it makes me think of um, uh, Amy Tan once told me uh, of a terrible thing somebody came up to her a reading and said uh, 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 when the Joy Luck Club came out this person said you made a big mistake writing your best book first <laughs> what a horrible thing to say it was I guess some kind of weirdo compliment backhanded no, or not no. I don't know but I was people are demented but but um I've, I've gotten versions of that. I've gotten variations of that. But it, with, but that, okay. with that story, and and I think it's just kind of cool to have the first thing you wrote. Uh, you know, to, if people know about me, it's because of that story and that it was the first. I, I like that. Mm. Um, but it came from a, an assignment in a workshop with Gordon. Yeah. Lish. Yeah. Yes. So I, I I give him a lot of credit for so, making me look there. And, and and what and what was it? Was it like write about something you don't want to write about, or, or it was write your worst secret, the thing yeah. you'll never live down, the thing that dismantles your sense of yourself, mm. and and there it was. I failed my best friend at at the moment. I absolutely couldn't fail her. Um, I re I've actually reasons to live was the first 
collection of yours that I I was given to, um, mm. given by a friend who actually worked at the Elliott Bay Book Company out in Seattle. Oh. I I think you must have gone through um, with a reading there or something. No. I guess it was like in the 90s. No? No, I've never no. been there. Oh, well, somehow Trevor Coop stumbled upon it. And then it became this thing where it, it really changed like... Um, seeing how you were writing e- even at that time like in in, in the compaction that you were uh-huh. using that uh-huh. i believe was there from the start rick moody in his great introduction says so that it's something that you've it has become even more present in your your later work but it seems mm-hmm. like it was there from the very beginning and, and that i think that means that many poets are connecting to your work more Which, than oh, it makes me very happy to hear that and and can and um hopefully we can um, talk about yes. what your your current your oh, current work sure. now and that which you which you said was leaning towards the prose poems being concerned. Oh yeah, with. I mean I've long wished I could write poetry and I I've studied it and I read it all the time and I can't because whereas in fiction your basic unit of construction is the sentence, which I do understand um, very well. Thank you, but the line in poetry. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't know how you break lines. I, I understand when I see it done. Oh, I see. To create that effect and for that rhythm, etc. I cannot make that transfer to doing it myself. So, um, but I do bring the concerns a poet has to sentences, to stories, and so that's what I mean. And and I I am liking writing the short shorts. More and more. I'm, I, I never left them, but um, I do feel it as a kind of return to it because I've, I've done one after another now, about five in a row fairly recently. And um, and I thought, well, let's just go with it. Let's just keep doing these short shorts that are, some of them are more like prose poems. And and so, and, and also Rick Moody says that your, your production, and I guess if you look at, the space like the when the books have come out mm-hmm. you're, you're very you work slow. intensely <laughs> slow is the word you're looking for okay thanks amy <laughs> <laughs> amy hmm. hempel here doing all the work in this conversation <laughs> not at all <laughs> um, uh, but but so how when you're when you're producing these mm-hmm. do you feel like it's it's they're coming they're, they're coming becoming themselves their own universes quicker or is it something where it's it's just takes just as long sadly as not oh, okay <laughs> every bit as slow going as the uh longer stories it's just i'm slow and i've just stopped even worrying about it i think that that's a good way to be we're, we're gonna like we're gonna have slow slow week or get hallmark on that national slow day slow down week, um, yeah. this, this, you're listening to living writers um amy hempel today in the studio uh, we'll be right back broken down
Welcome back. You're listening to Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel, uh, Hugh Stimson, the intrepid engineer, <laughs> and Amy Hempel, the intrepid writer. Thank you. <laughs> um, so we, that song is not by accident that Hugh pulled that out of the, the vast collections here in the, the basement of WCBN. Um, why? It's my favorite song. <laughs> and a friend made me a tape that is Al Green singing Jesus is Waiting over and over and over, nonstop on both sides of the 90-minute tape. I think each side must be 90 minutes or something. Anyway, um, and I have driven cross-country uh, listening to just that. I never tire of it. Uh, it has this hypnotic kind of incantatory quality that just I don't tire of it and I'd rather listen to it certainly while driving than almost anything else and I did title a story a driving story uh, after this song Jesus is waiting Jesus is waiting Uh, and then I flip it at the end so that uh, I think it ends uh, with the narrator driving home uh, where Jesus is waiting or isn't. So kind of standing it on its head in my small way. <laughs> yeah, because you, you've got to think like the the paths to, it's either the path to complete serenity or the path mm-hmm. to complete madness at that point, right? And yeah. you know, that is no small feat actually come to think of it, making a tape Right with um, yes. because it's not like now where you could just call upon it. You'd have to. It would be very oh. labor intensive. I'd imagine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, it wasn't easy, and it took uh, some real devotion to stick around for every ending, so that you could quick set it up again and backtrack <laughs> and get it going again. And um, uh, yeah, it, yeah. It certainly it it makes me conscious of time. Mm-hmm. Really having passed when you talk about the technology with the technology, music, yeah, it? yeah, and I and I love how many times Al Green says thank you in the song, and and then I th- thought later, oh, maybe the kind of counterpart would be playing uh, James Brown. We know that song, please, please, please. <laughs> no, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I don't know. He's looking for trouble. <laughs> Well, he's laughing. Okay. <laughs> um, well, um, so now I'm like, I'm actually now in the Al Green. I feel like I've entered into Al Green. So that must be part of the driving, too. When mm-hmm. you Are you ever constructing, um, is driving one of the ways that you actually sort of, uh, you manage to clear the mind so that something from your subconscious wells up? Yes. And it's, and it's a tool for writing as well? I always hope that will happen. And oh. sometimes it does happen. And, and it does seem that that time, that kind of time, that extravagance of hours and hours, um, especially on easy, easy drive, you know, like 
I-80, a straight shot across, you know. Or not on beltways. Not on beltways. So that's the kind of driving where you do have to watch what you're doing, but you don't have to really think about it. And um, the story Jesus is Waiting um, derives largely from uh, a composite of several of those kinds of long, long, maybe 15, 18-hour drives and... Um, it's so it's so good that you call them drives instead of hauls or <laughs> drives. They're it's just drives, yeah. They're drives, yeah. I mean, nobody's making me do it. Mm. You know, I choose to do it. Uh, so it's a way of finding peace of some sort and avoiding flying, which I'm still <laughs> deeply phobic about. <laughs> Did you ever take the class that, I mean, to go back to the fact in, in that there's a, a character that says, I'm afraid, it's a wonderful line. That's why I just think it's a, it sticks in my mind where it says, my, what's your greatest fear? And instead, it's when I finish this class, I'll still be afraid. Yes, the fear of flying class. Yes. And I did take one in San Francisco many years ago, taught by two pilots. And, um, and again, the problem is that it deals very successfully with the rational fears uh, one has about planes and altitude and such, but it doesn't address the irrational fears. Which is the real core of which it. Which is the core of it. So mm-hmm. I, I, it was interesting to do, but the fear remained. So I wonder if you had your pilot's license, if that would erase it. It would probably help, because I'd have some control. But... But, no, n- but no, no sense in spending all the time up there. I don't no. know. I'm going to let this go now. Yeah. Gonna, we're going to move on. <laughs> okay. We're going to move. Um, Jim Shepard and Ron Hansen were were here um, just a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about oh. you. So your ears must have been burning. Oh my god! And, um, and we were talking about like, Unleashed, um, yes. the book of poems that you you guys Jim and I did uh, edited. Well, you, it was a project you started. Yes. Um, uh, what was what was your dog poem? Because he could. Can you remember it? Because he could remember his and 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 Ron what remembered his was a, a, a Villanelle yes um, I now barely remember spot. mine isn't that funny it was wait it was a haiku um, me writing the short shorts I have one of the shortest poems um, the rain washed his paw prints from the garden oh god that's all I remember <laughs> but um, oh I know uh, the rain washed his paw prints from the garden Ice cream would help in a cone. But Jim and his wife Karen wrote the maybe the second shortest, but the most often quoted poem in the voice of their overweight yellow Labrador birch that went, You can eat that, you can eat that, you can eat that, I'll eat that. That's great. That's great. Do you have any other ideas about projects to do with like the the dog speaking again? No, we felt no. we felt we did you it. Felt like you met that challenge. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was interesting um, last night when you were you were talking about being given the assignment uh, to 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 write with the subject or the theme of mm. Twilight Zone mm. and and how it it it. You, you managed to morph it into something that you you did care about, which was fin- almost a dream yes, wish. Yes, a wish fulfillment dream of finding the missing dog. And in fact, Jim Shepard uh, started me on a, a long story in my last collection by 
um, issuing a uh, an assignment, or he asked if I would write an essay for a book. He was putting together uh, writers on a, a favorite movie, and I said, "Oh, sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, maybe I'll write about the uninvited." And two years after the due date, I started work on it, <laughs> but it, it came out as a short story called The Uninvited. Um, so I, I thank him for that, though I, I, I did not make the deadline. Right. <laughs> Somehow it seems like he doesn't, he probably doesn't. He did, I don't think he held it against me. Right. Um, and um, with the dogs, uh, I, I, I also well, love dogs and mm. seem to write about them. And mm-hmm. I was wondering if you felt, um, what was it about them? Because, you know, like Pablo Neruda, um, he has the, the wheat or these mm-hmm. these things that he keeps drawing upon. It's almost like a touchstone. Or, yes. So dogs seem that way for you oh. in the writing. Oh, yes. And, and probably will always be. Um, and, um, I mean, the... The thing I've been doing for about 13 years, uh, where I put most of my time in addition to writing, is into working with uh, at a guide dog training school. And um, I have two Labradors full-time and then various fosters. And, um, my girls are in the brood stud program, so the dogs I have now are bred, and their puppies become the seeing-eye dogs. And just about um, a couple of weeks ago, I tracked down four blind people who got my dog's puppies as their guides. And it was it's some of the most moving conversations I, I'd ever had. And one fellow said um, these do- his dog, his new dog, had, uh, had walked him down the aisle of a church when he got married. And this was a dog I'd held in my hands when he was one day old. So it was... You know, Wow. That's very moving. Yeah, these dogs are, are are there for every important moment, like That's getting married true. or mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and actually getting you there, right? <laughs> Quite literally, <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, and so and so you have all the, these puppies. You have various. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I almost said it's litters. I almost said batches, like as if batches were cookies. Yeah, they're certainly not. <laughs> they're cookies. as yummy as cookies. <laughs> litters. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that so, but dogs in the in the writing, it's something mm-hmm. that um, is it is it because it's a way of talking about um, a connection? Because well, let me see. How can I um, let me frame it this mm-hmm. so it's not mm-hmm. so um, broad? Um, it's interesting in in the in your short see very short, uh, sh- so I'd say short short sure. um, in the animal shelter, mm-hmm. and this is from the gate at the gates of the animal kingdom, right? right? Um, it's it's interesting because the 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 speaker is uh, talking about every time you see a beautiful woman, someone is tired of her. So the men say, and then um, and then we go to the animal shelter mm-hmm. within the mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. space of this, and at the end, but there is seldom an adoption. It matters that the women have someone to leave, leaving behind the lovesome creatures who would never leave them had they once given them their hearts. That book, by the way, that second collection at the Gates of the Animal Kingdom um, originally carried uh, an epigraph uh, from a poem by Vicki Hearn, who uh, died a few years ago, much too young, but was a brilliant um, um, animal trainer 
dog and horse trainer, as well as a poet and essayist. And she wrote Adam's Task, Calling Animals by Name, and many other uh, books about animals. But um, the epigraph was a poem of hers called, I think, Interview. And it was just a single, uh, it was two lines, Q and A. And the question was, um, to, to Vicky, the question was, what are all those horses doing in your poems? I mean, what do they stand for? And the A answer is horses. They stand for horses the way I stand for you. That was Vicky. I, you know, I remember reading that. Do from, you? Yeah, mm. that, from that book. Um, yeah, that's beautiful, isn't it? She was that's, one of the great early champions of the pit bull in this country. And I had met several of her of hers um we can talk about that in a moment and the way the way the way i but but just to 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 go back to that for just a moment Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. the the way i stand for you and so in a way that's what the the way these dogs are are Mm -hmm. are present yeah because they're the they're the um what you can rely upon in some way exactly in 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 these all all the stories that's right you know, you don't mm-hmm. go many pages without one. <laughs> um, and I, I, for one, I'm glad. Um, you're listening to Living Writers. Today on the program, we have Amy Hempel. Um, we've been talking about her latest, The Collected Stories, all in a group. And there's new ones on the way. And we're going to get to hear one. I'm T. Hetzel. We'll be back. Talking about you've got a frame. Listening to Living Writers, I'm T. Hetzel, and today Amy Hempel is in the studio. Thanks, thanks again for being here. Amy. Thank you, thank you. This is great. Um, so we started at the the top of the program. We actually we started to um, uh, go towards your your current work and mm-hmm. talking about the move towards the the short 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 shorts. Um, right. <laughs> uh, and and you you're saying that. And and I think that you're right that that's a short short is the same as a prose poem. Sometimes they, it, they have so much in common. It's impo- But what I love is that people can argue about it, mm-hmm. and that it's nothing and is do. really set. Yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so I think that actually makes for, um, like it's great that there, that 
they exist and that people, because sometimes mm-hmm. people are so sure of things and trying to cata- oh, categorize I them. I hate that. It's like, who are you to say? <laughs> you know, this is a story too. There's room. There's room. <laughs> it's because it's, is it about people's, um, like, why, why do we have to meet people's expectations? Exactly. Or we fulfill do. them. We do not. <laughs> um, I mean, there's more to prose poems than that. And maybe we'll talk about it. But may we hear yours, yours first, Amy? This no. is one that um, I wrote uh, for a friend who at the time was very, very ill and happily is better now. Um, this is called Sing to It. At the end, he said, no metaphors, nothing is like anything else. But he said to me before he said that, make your hands a hammock for me. So there was one. He said, not even the rain, he quoted the poem, not even the rain has such small hands. So there was another. At the end, I wanted to comfort him, but what I said was, sing to it. The Arabian proverb, when danger approaches, sing to it. I said, no metaphors, no one is like anyone else. And he said, please. So at the end, I made my hands a hammock for him, my arms, the trees. Thank you. I might have left out a line, but I don't think it matters. (laughs) I'm trying to conjure this here at the the moment. Yes, yes. uh, Yeah, just for um, the radio world, um, Amy kindly just wrote that from memory um, some of it <laughs> so, so that when you when you next see it there might be some additions but that's because it, but that was but that's and that's what I think we need to do more of too like uh, absorbing the work so that you can say it right mm. I'm guilty of that I don't know I, you know you, well, you heard be, me hesitate at one point yes, and yes. I was thinking was there another line there I don't think so maybe uh, anyway uh, but this is the most poem like short short I've done and and uh, I I'll try to do more I'm trying to do more kind of along these lines well it seems to come naturally like when you say this is the most poem like like what are you aware of what changes you made to it to achieve that distinction the repetition uh, certainly the way uh, I wrote it out I didn't write the lines to the right-hand margin. You know, I played with it looking like a poem, but I couldn't tell you if it is. So It is. Thank you. Okay, it's a poem. <laughs> Damn right it's a poem. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we settled that. <laughs> What's next, right? Okay. <laughs> I'd like to show you my novel. <laughs> mm. Damn right it's a novel. <laughs> <laughs> that will never happen. <laughs> Well, did you feel pressured into writing Tumble Home or was that? No. No, okay. (laughs) I was lucky in that I never had an agent or an editor say what many do say, even today, which is, yeah, 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 you write stories, but but where's your novel? Because novels sell. And guess what? There are any number of terrific debut story collections out there yes. coming out. And so I never understood telling a writer who did one thing they had to do another to get published. And, and luckily, I, I just didn't have to have, have that happen. 
Yeah, because it's a different it's it's a different it's vehicle. Different. A whole it's different completely animal. different. Yes. Um, the novella I wrote, Tumble Home, um, I I wasn't trying to write a novella. Uh, I, I just knew with the very first sentence. Um, oh, this is going to be a long thing. A long thing. What is the first sentence? It's not the first sentence as oh, it appears, oh. Oh. but it's a little ways in. The, something about the trees. We're all on crutches. I know. What are the chances that I'm going to fi- see it? Oh, I see. The trees are all on crutches on sawed-off braces of dead wood notched into Y-shaped crooks f- for support. Yeah, I wrote that line, and who knows why? I just thought, oh, I won't get out of here anytime soon. <laughs> and... and that was the case. So, um, I wanted to ask you about Tumble Home too, Amy, mm-hmm. with because this is the, I think the only story in the the collection that that begins with an an epigram yes. as well yes. uh, by Sharon Olds. Yes, and and um, so why do we? What would you like read, to it? read it? What, and why? It's from the Sharon Olds poem Wonder. Um, I would have traded places with anyone raised on love. But how would anyone raised on love bear this death? I mean, typical Sharon Olds can say in those four short lines what it took me a novella to say, in effect. But um, she's one of my favorite, favorite, favorite poets and just never disappoints. And I just find her so insightful as well as... um, such an amazing conjurer of uh, images, language. So when you so when you choose to have a a piece mm-hmm. here right before the novella begins, yeah. like what is it? Like why? What does it mean yeah. mean to you putting it there? Because because then it's it's interesting because it becomes like the collage of things, but that's a two part mm-hmm. collage. Then mm-hmm. instead of, I just remember feeling so strongly that. She had said it in this beautiful, sort of wrenching way, in these few short lines, that I think I put it there as not just an acknowledgement that she had done this thing I was going to try to do in a longer form, but that um, I used it as a signal to a reader. Here, you're going to be here for a while if you read it to the end. Here's a way to read it. A signal. Yeah. Lovely. When, um, it's just so interesting when you think that that's the, like, that you, that you don't choose signals for other things. But Maybe because it was different. I had not done something this long before. Um, I don't know that I would do it again. Yeah, um, and like, it's risky if you use something that good by somebody else at the beginning of yours. It's like, okay, <laughs> now let's see what you can do. Well, and, and especially know? when it's right there on the same page because mm-hmm. it works differently. That that um, uh, Vicky's Vicky uh, at piece. the beginning it had its own it was, page. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. and and it's actually so it's quite separate. So it, it really yeah. functions. But maybe writers are the only ones weird enough to really be looking at those subconscious. Just levels of probably <laughs> probably probably yeah but poets in general are, are so important to me writing and teaching i always teach um poetry with 
in my fiction classes. How do you do that? Um, I'll often use narrative poets like Sharon or uh, certain narrative poems by contemporary poets always um, that just give such good uh, illustrations of of um, distillation and the power of images and um, metaphor and humor. You know, if you use poems like poems by Dean Young, Tony Hoagland, for example. James um, Tate. James Tate. But, I mean, look at the title of uh, the Tony Hoagland collection, What Narcissism Means to Me. (laughs) (laughs) The riot. It is great. Mm -hmm. Um, So so you value humor. That's Mm -hmm. obvious from Mm -hmm. reading... Um, and all of your stories, even the stories that are the most heartbreaking. And and so is that something that is just um, something naturally that you you do as, as a human being? Like that's how you function? And so oh, that, of course, yes. is the way Absolutely. it appears in the writing as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it always helped me get through awful things. And I've always just put a premium on it and always been drawn to people who are funny Um and uh, I did spend many, many years in the 70s in San Francisco going to comedy clubs four and five nights out of a week. Um, and, and my friends were stand-up comics. And um, that was what mattered to me. And, and I learned so much. This is long before I was ever writing, but I learned so much about inflection and timing. And it really was useful later trying to write something that was hopefully funny because you'd hear the same act you know people would do the same act basically night after night and some nights it would it would work and some nights it would just go flat and it would be just a simple syllable difference you know what pressure really what pressure yeah 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 but it does yeah with yours it seems like it is it is always so funny, but I think, but that also makes it, I think it's it because it's so close, it's close, so close up to what is so unfunny. Yes. And the one underscores the other. And, and you mentioned Jim Shepard having just been here. He's, he's, he's the writer I show my work to, to find out if the funny stuff is funny, you know, cause he's about the funniest person I know. And I figure if it gets past him, it's okay. I can trust that it's not a, not really lame. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so um, he's one of the arbiters. For, for right. That. Oh, that's well, good. A good trusted, mm. a good trusted mm-hmm. soul. Um, do you have? Is that? Do you find like that's a way of working now? Like where um, it's like a not necessarily with the writers that you are neighbors with mm-hmm. but but more sending things out or has it always been that way or, or you mean in showing just yeah, showing work people, and f- first um, readers or well Gordon Lish was my first reader for many 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 years and um uh but but for I, how I, long because he was uh, their, your first workshop right he, well and, he's really the only pr- teacher I had in for, for fiction I just worked with him over and over and over again and workshops at Columbia and then privately so he was, you know, my reader, my main reader for a very, very long time. But also, you know, more recently, I'll run it by, say, you know, Jim for what's funny. I'll run it by a poet friend for, does it scan for the, for the 
the rhythms the within acoustics, the language. You know, does it does it sound like? Uh, you know, does does that work? And so different. I'll, I'll compartmentalize in that way these days. Do you ever get conflicting feedback? Well, I guess they're addressing different things. They wouldn't addressing think different to say things. this certainly has no Because rhythm. I think it can be too conflicting, too confusing otherwise. Right. And, right. you know, I don't know what, I can't discern, can't take it apart. So I look, this person for this thing, this person for that. Yeah. It's so interesting that you worked with Gordon Lish for, for so long, because mm-hmm. that seems like something that is unusual now. Yeah, not so, so much. It, used, it was more common many years ago. Another way that you, you're unusual, Amy. Humphrey. Ah, good. Good. <laughs> and that's a full-on compliment, not a backhanded compliment. <laughs> I much prefer those. <laughs> well, this is Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. We'll be, we'll be right back with Amy Hempel. Talking about you've got a friend. to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. This is Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. And today on the program, I've been so lucky to be speaking with Amy Hempel. Um, we've been looking, we've been, I've been admiring her hardcover of the collected stories. Um, and thanks again to Hugh Stimson um, right there in the control booth. Thank goodness there's some control around here. Hey, somebody's <laughs> got to have it. And, and I should say, um, just a shout out for Fridays at three o'clock. Um, Kristen's show, Tight Pants, is amazing. We can kind, we're getting where it's kind of drifting in under the door here. And oh, that's it's what that also is. yes. <laughs> so Tight Pants on Fridays <laughs> at three. Um, okay, so but back but back to the writing. I actually, you know, because you're the the biography. In the in the book, Amy is so short. Mm-hmm. I wanted to read what Rick Moody because he wrote a really oh. a really nice introduction. That was so lovely of him to do that. Yeah, nice isn't even the word, no, is it? That's that's no. it's, it's an un, yeah. Um, so I just want to to sort of um, fill in because there's sure. things, that, and you just you just won the Ria um, sh- award the Rhea for the award. for Ria award for oh. short the short story mm-hmm. making significant contributions. Um, 
It, it must be. I, I don't know. This is probably not something you can talk about, but to to feel like because I feel I think the awards that you I saw in your award box mm-hmm. on Wikipedia. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I shouldn't admit to that, but um, well, they are many, and they are big, and they pro- so you probably at some point you don't list them anymore. But I wonder. Oh, I list them. them. You don't? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but I wonder if some of, like, if they mean, if, I mean, it, it seems natural that some of them must mean more to you than, than others, because when they arrive at different points in, in your working life or... Um, it's, it's not a matter of, of more, but, but different things. As you said, they arrive at different times and... Um, each entirely welcome and um, and I think reflecting something something other it was nice it was more than nice that the collected itself the collected uh, volume got several things several nods from different places that it was just very um, well I was gonna say reassuring that's not right not reassuring but um, that was just terrific sort of like you're, you're, you're really meant to be doing this mm-hmm, and, and even mm-hmm. if you know it and in, mm-hmm. in, in tear in your side that's a good way to put it yeah yeah but will others know it too? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy you know what let's i'll just read this okay. i'll read what rick moody said um on amy hempel it's all about the sentences it's about the way the sentences move in the paragraphs it's about rhythm it's about ambiguity it's about the way emotion in difficult circumstances gets captured in language. It's about instance of consciousness. It's about besieged consciousness. It's about love trouble. It's about death. It's about suicide. It's about the body. It's about skepticism. It's against sentimentality. It's against cheap sentiment. It's about regret. It's about survival. It's about the sentences used to enact and defend survival. Pretty darn nice. Yeah. 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 But but it, it is um, about sentences. I mean, he's, he's right because that's <laughs> the way I write. And that's why I started writing and I will always write at the sentence level, um, not thinking, oh, here's a great idea for a story. It's, oh, here's a sentence well, that's, I'm proud of. And here's that's a sentence you, I like. That's what you even said about Tumble Home then, that right. sentence that right, came, and right. you knew f- from that as the key. Right. I trust the sentence. And, and what else is, because when, when you say it's about the sentence level, and I know that even teaching at, at introduction essay mm-hmm. classes mm-hmm. here, it's, you say that, and there's this whole weighted meaning behind that. And it's almost like this, um, as if you, it would be your manifesto in some ways, uh-huh. but, but it's hard, like, what what does it can you what what does it exactly mean because it's getting to something when you said you trust it right but i mean i trust that it sounds simplistic but i trust that if i write one good sentence and then write another one and another one and another one i'll eventually get to a story it'll add up and i think people i mean that seems so obvious to me but people think often it's odd that you must have an idea for a story or uh, some wonderful character at the beginning that makes you want to write, uh, and that's that's not how it happens. I'll have a, a sentence that makes me want to write a story, and then it seems like whatever else is um, what makes up a, 
a life or your life, mm-hmm. it seems like that's what then is <laughs> called upon. Like that whatever is driving like the the inner workings of of the mind at that mm-hmm. time is what then becomes whatever characters on the right and i thought that if i ever write a memoir which i won't it would have to be titled sentenced (laughs) so now that's a you won't (laughs) that's a really good one um (laughs) so why but why so adamant i've written maybe two personal essays which is a form i love to read i love to read them uh they were very very difficult for me to write because guess what? It's not fiction. You can't hide in the sense behind it's. It's you're supposedly telling the truth about yourself in ways that, and, and it felt I felt very vulnerable doing that. So, um, I I was recently teaching a, a well-known essay by Joanne Beard, who 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 does these better than almost anybody. The fourth state of matter. Um, from her book, The Boys of My Youth. And that's an essay I'd urge everyone listening to this uh, to go read The Fourth State of Matter. And I think it's one of those pieces of writing that I feel you can learn everything you'd need to know by reading this personal essay. What are the things you need to know then? (laughs) Well, uh, Gordon Lish used to talk about three things he felt you needed in a story. Uh, Obsession, nerve and ground worth reporting on something worth your time in the first place and um joanne has that joanne certainly has that and um and that's really still what i'm looking for when i read or in students work or otherwise um uh an answer to that simple question why are you telling me this it's so simple it's so simple and so often not considered. Exactly. <laughs> you <would think. laughs> Even after you say that exact same question directly, uh-huh. Uh-huh. the person like, "What do you mean? Yeah, isn't it obvious?" Oh, and I'm talking about published work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh shoot! That just laughing at that just actually made my. I had a, a, a one of my. Uh, risky questions queued up. No, not risky at all. Oh, but good. oh, the fourth state of matter. What was it? Wind back some Hetzel. Mm. Oh no, I just did it. I just addressed myself in the third person, Amy. Uh oh. Help, help Uh-oh. me. Uh oh. Fourth state. What was it? What was it? <laughs> it's too bad we don't edit this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ambiguity. An interview should be imperfect, go. just like life, right? Yes. Yes. There are imperfections. I really like you. Editing's you're a, cheating. You're a good egg. You are such a good So are you. <laughs> I remembered what the question was oh, now. Okay. But I do want to talk about ambiguity if we can mm-hmm. squeeze it in too. But it was, so were these assignments, like what made you write the personal oh. essay? If it was something that you were yeah. resisting or hated. Yeah, not assignment so much as um, solic- commissioned oh, okay. uh, pieces, you know, solicited essays for and anthologies. Said- God, they were hard. Um, I so envy the people who can just turn something over just really, really quickly. And Oh, they're really, really hard. Um, ultimately, I was pleased with them, but, jeez, uh, I, don't, I don't think I'd really do another one. And so you said yes, and then it, then it became something to fulfill. Mm-hmm. And now- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
But you never know, right? That because you know, how can you ever know which way your obsession, like one of the first Gordon Lish's first things, will will take you? And it could, yes, that could. And actually, I just am remembering this right right now. The um, one of these personal essays appeared in the anthology, and 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 some people saw it and said, uh, you know, you should you should write a story. Uh, in this form or something in this form and I thought huh so uh, hard to explain oh, really right. but but it no like a le- like you would a letter like a story as a letter pointed, or? not even as a letter but it just pointed a way to a way to write a story that I hadn't thought of right I thought oh you know you're right you're right so I, I got something useful from it but it was a long way to go <laughs> And a lot of um, a different sort of vulnerability mm. than you have in your your fiction because yeah, you're because still vulnerable. There's no way around that. But yes, you're right. But ultimately, the only thing I think that would embarrass me in a story would be bad writing, not anything I might divulge about you know myself. It's just if it if it was written badly, that would be embarrassing. And seemingly around forever. And <laughs> <laughs> but don't yeah. worry, you always have in the cemetery where Al Jolson is buried, which will be out there competing. There we go. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so ambiguity. Just if if we have if we have we have a little uh, time. What because what is that actually? I mean, when you say. When when you have ambiguity in your short stories, I mean mm-hmm. it's not something you're conscious of, is it? It's something that where there's multiple levels working. How, is that? How? Is that? Be, because I just thought it was interesting that 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 was another part that Rick Moody mm. um, called upon. Well, I mean, how many experiences in your life are this way or that way? They are this way and that way. You know, there are many sides to. What we do. I wish we had gestures going out over there. <laughs> on one hand, <laughs> on the other hand, um, but but because isn't it linked to mystery too? It is like, linked to mystery, and I not only like more mystery in a story than some readers, but as a writing teacher, I'm always promoting it. Um, don't tell me that right away or ever. So much better. If I don't know this, um, and um, I used to teach at conferences sometimes with Tim O'Brien, who had a a kind of mantra in these workshops, which was stories are not explanations, and so useful to remember that mystery is good. What's your mantra? <gasps> mm, I wish I had a snappy answer for that. I don't know that I have anything that occurs with regular, you know, regularity. Um, Look to the dogs. <laughs> it would probably involve dogs. It probably would. Uh, and it would. Or perhaps Jesus is waiting would be the. Um, no, I don't know. I don't know. Um, nothing seems to help while you're doing it, while you're writing. That's beautiful. <laughs> Just to even know that, Amy Hempel, thank you so much. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, You've been listening uh, to Amy Hempel today on Living Writers. Um, Thanks again to Hugh Stimson for engineering. Um, Thanks for listening, Ann Arbor, and for streaming wherever you are. Amy Hempel, The Collected Stories. You can 
go out and get it all in one big bundle and amy's got new work on the deck on deck soon um thanks again i'm t hetzel until next time Noches, vayas, can dios. This is Olivia Newton-John. How would you like to create a happier future for millions of the world's children? You can with WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor.